0: So this morning, I'm gonna continue on the three essential loves of your life uh, without doing um, a massive review. Last week, I started with God's love, and I made one uh, many points, but one key point that I made was made in the form of a question, how much does God love you? And every answer I got was right. And uh, someone from Bible school uh yelled out and said God loves us as much as his son Jesus Christ and i want to tell you that when i was lecturing that in bible school it became a revelation all of us God loves me as much as he loves Jesus he has raised me up and seated me in heavenly places side by side with Christ and the bible says we are co-heirs together with Jesus Christ man that's an equality that i don't deserve but it's the grace of God that gives all of us that kind of equality. Amen? So God loves us as much as he loves his son. And last week, again, without going into a whole heap of review, you now have it on your phone so you can watch it again. But uh, we made the statement, God loves you as much as he loves himself. And the premise for me saying that is that God himself tells us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, God will never tell you to do something that he hasn't already done. God is not a hypocrite. He is not a legalist. He doesn't come out with a bunch of rules just for the sake of having rules. God talks about lifestyle, and God talks about principles, and God talks about the principles that make life worth living. And so when God tells us to love our neighbor the way we love ourselves, it's because God loves us as much as he loves himself. And therefore, God can never do you or do me any wrong because he loves himself completely and perfectly, and that's how he loves you. I think that's an amazing revelation, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. So we're gonna move on from there this morning. And the second essential love of your life, I said this last week, without these three loves, you will never be whole, and you will never be satisfied. They are absolutely necessary for building a balanced and successful, uh, healthy life. These three loves are so essential to your well-being That uh, as an individual, that by sabotaging even one of these three loves, it has the ability to cripple you for the rest of your life. And so, the second love I want to talk about this morning is self love. Self love. And we're going to come back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 39. And uh, as they put that verse up on the screen, there it is. Uh, Jesus uh, replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like that, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say something quite astounding. He says, all of the books of the law and all the books of the prophet. In other words, he wrapped up the whole Old Testament. And he says, the whole Old Testament is summed up in this truth. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There is a divine order. Love God passionately with all your heart. And then love yourself second and then love your neighbor as yourself. It's a divine order. It's a progression. Divine order always has a progression. It has a starting point and an ending point. The first essential love is to love God, and you can only love God as much as you believe God loves you. The more I become... um, The more I understand and the more I accept the revelation that God loves me, the deeper I get it, the more I end up loving God. Our ability to love him is directly related to understanding that he loves us. It's very hard to love someone who absolutely can't stand the sight of you. And it's very easy to fall in love with someone who loves everything about you. Even your quirkiness, your idiosyncrasies. And and, and they just love you for who you are. Not for what you bring to the table, not for what you can do, but because of who you are. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I love the fact that God loves me. The good, the bad, and the ugly, he just accepts me completely. And that revelation enables me to love him. It's very hard to love someone you're afraid of. And so one of the major things the devil does through religion is to get people afraid of who God is. They're afraid of him. Listen, when I make a mistake, I've come to learn that the best place to run is not away from God, but to God. Nobody will understand me like him. No one will have compassion like him. No one gets how I got to where I got like he gets it. And so, you know, most of us, before we get the revelation of how much God loves us, when we make a mistake, the first thing we want to do is run and hide. Adam and Eve ran and hid. That tells me that they didn't really understand how much God loved them. In fact, if they did, they never would have believed the lie that God was withholding something from them. The more we understand God loves us, the easier it is to love him. That's the first essential love. The second essential love is to love yourself, not someone else. This is a divine order. There's a progression. He said, love your neighbor as Yourself. What Jesus is saying is, if you don't love yourself well, you will never really, truly love someone else. We often look at the failures of marriage, and it's so easy to point the finger and say, well, this marriage failed because this person is like this, this, and this. But the truth of the matter is, the more we can love ourselves, the more we will be able to love other people. And the more we can love ourselves completely, unconditionally, the more we'll find the ability to love other people completely and unconditionally. The second essential love is to love yourself. You can only sincerely or perfectly love someone else if you love yourself. Otherwise, No matter how much you're loving everyone else, you're loving them and serving them and being for them and to them so that you will have reciprocated validation from them. And love on that basis isn't perfect love. The very love we're giving is conditional because what we're really looking for is acceptance and validation. Do you know when God loved you? He loved you whether you would accept him, whether you would validate him, so much so that God loves every sinner who shakes their fist in his face. That's how complete, that's how perfect God's love is. He loves us without needing anything from us. But because he loves us so completely, we fall in love with him. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm going to make a couple of statements here. I think they're going to be appearing up on the screen. And the first bullet point that I have is you can't love yourself completely if you don't completely believe God loves you. You can't love yourself completely if you don't completely believe God loves you. The more you become self-accepting, the more you can accept others. The next bullet point, when you don't love yourself, you're in disagreement with God. I'm going to say that again. When you don't love yourself, you're in disagreement with God. Do you know that it's a sin in God's eyes for you not to love yourself? God loves you. And when we don't love ourselves, when we think we're stupid, when we think we're useless, when we believe the lies that have been spoken over us by other people, when we believe the lies of the inner voice that we hear within us, when we believe those lies, we are in disagreement with God because God loves us. In fact, when we believe those lies, we are telling God, you're absolutely wrong. How could you love me? When you don't love yourself, it's impossible to believe anybody else. Uh, Sorry, we, we went to the next screen, did we? Okay. When you don't love yourself, you've rejected yourself. Now, rejection is a terrible thing, and I've been preaching and teaching about the spirit of rejection over the last couple of weeks. Rejection's a terrible thing, but what many of us don't realize is that we self-reject ourselves. The moment you don't love you, the moment you don't like you, the moment there's things about you that uh, you know, uh, you're not happy with, it's a form of rejection. So when you don't love yourself, you have rejected yourself, and when you don't love yourself, it's impossible to believe that anybody else really loves you. If you don't see the value of you, and if you can't love you deep down in your heart, you will never ever be able to believe someone else really loves you. And when we come into a relationship with this problem, when we come in a marriage with this problem, when we try to live life with this dilemma, we will always perceive rejection from everybody around us. It's not just the rejection that others that give you, that will cripple you. It's also self-rejection that will cripple you. Three essential loves God says we have to love ourselves the way we love, we have to love others the way we love ourselves. Isn't that interesting? It starts with how you love yourself. Because loving others is predicated on self love. God is saying you will never love someone else completely until you completely love yourself. And you will never completely love yourself until you understand that I completely love you. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what you hate about yourself and the reasons why you're not as good as the next person, that in itself is rejection, but it's self rejection. I want, there's something really important I want you to understand, and we're going to put it up on the screen. Self-rejection. By the way, (laughs) we all have struggled with issues of self-love. Now, admittedly, men are a little different than women. Women, you grow up in an environment where everything is about your external appearance. And I apologize for what, how society has conditioned your value. I apologize that we have sent out a message that a perfect woman looks like the model on a runway. And they say that the average model is six foot one and weighs something like 120 pounds and she only represents 2% of the female population. And yet all of us, as women, you you struggle to measure up to that image that has been cast in front of you. This is why it's so important to understand that we didn't didn't, uh, evolve from apes. The image that I evolved from was the image of God. And when we start to understand how much God loves us, we can really start to believe I was created in the image of God. Society has cast an image that 98% of most women will never fit into. And we've said that's what's beautiful. And we've forgotten the saying that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is really in the heart and the character of the individual. That's what makes us beautiful, okay? And uh, so I said here, self-rejection is the offense you give to yourself. We talked about offenses that are given and offenses that are taken. And sometimes people give us offense, but sometimes... We take offense even when the person isn't giving offense. The difference with self-rejection is that it's a double whammy. Self-rejection is the offense you give to yourself and you take it. If we remember that offense is a spirit, it speaks. And the spirit of offense when we reject ourselves, when we have trouble loving ourselves, listen, for a long time I wished I was taller. You know, I wished I was six foot one. For a long time I wished I was, I was thinner. But I finally come to the conclusion I'm not overweight, I'm just a couple of inches too short. <laughs> I've come to a place where I'm at peace with myself, and, and I'm glad I came to that pay, place because every year I am evolving and changing, and if I didn't love myself for who I am, I'd end up loving myself every year that I gain another year of age. My hair, you know, I was at the, the uh, barber the other day. It was a female. My daughter goes there, and uh, I said to her, do you think maybe next time, this was the first time I went to see her, I said, do you think maybe next time when I come, uh, now that you've cut my hair and you've seen me, maybe you could uh, advise how you can style my hair, you know? As you get older, you always want to look a little bit trendy, and etc. And she was trying to be very diplomatic. She said, well, um, that that could be a little bit difficult. I said, yeah, I'm not giving you a lot to work with, am I? I don't have as much hair as I used to have. Uh, I find that um, the landscape at the top of my head is getting wider and wider. I have more and more space between my eyebrows and my hairline. And uh, it's not as thick as it used to be. And so she was trying to be very politically correct and non-offensive. And so I just... I just cracked a joke, and I said, no, I get it. I'm not offering you as much to work with as when I was a younger man. But, you know, thank God I came to a place where I learned to love myself for who I am. I look in the mirror, and I don't see a perfect specimen, but I love that specimen. I look in the mirror, and sure, I think to myself, Father, when I get to heaven, a body you have prepared for me. Just let it be taller, slimmer. (laughs) But I love who I am. I've come to accept who I am. And yes, sometimes when I watch my own videos, I think, oh, you look so silly. Or, you know, please don't cry when you're preaching, Rob, because you cry ugly. How many of you cry ugly? But you know what? I've even come to love that. Because I love the person inside the shell. And with that has come so much healing. But that has only happened as I've become more and more convinced that God loves me completely. No conditions. No conditions. No conditions. conditions. The enemy understands how important these three essential loves are. And he knows like a three-legged stool, all he has to do is knock out one of them and that stool won't stand anymore. My ability to love myself has come from the fact that I've had revelation after revelation that God loves me even in the midst of my ugliest sin. The memories that come back to me and I go, oh, I don't want to remember I did that. In the midst of that moment, God still loved me. And understanding how much he loves me has enabled me to love me. And loving me more completely has enabled me to love others more completely. Without condition, without predicating it on what they do and how they perform. Amen. Can I get an agreement out there? So I'm going to say it again. Self-rejection is the offense that we give to ourselves and the offense we take by ourselves. When you don't love yourself, self-rejection, you condemn yourself to the perpetual perception of rejection. What am I saying? When when you curse yourself with not loving yourself for who you are and how, how you are, when you don't love yourself, you bring a curse on yourself because you've rejected yourself, because you've given offense to yourself, because you've received the offense. It puts a curse on you. And what that curse will do, it will cause you to live in the perpetuality, the consist- constancy, the continuation of seeing everyone else as if they are rejecting you also. If you cannot love you, you will never truly believe someone else can love you. You are the closest thing to yourself. You are the closest person to yourself. And if you can't love you, you will never believe that someone else really loves you. And that's why God starts with you loving him and knowing that he loves you and then you loving yourself because that's where the healing takes place before you can love someone else. Good preaching, Pastor Ron. Here. How many of you during this series have come to realize that at times you have reacted or acted out of the perception that people are rejecting you. Would you be bold enough to raise your hand? Okay, thank you for being so honest and transparent. And My hand goes up t- as well. The sooner we learn to love ourselves and accept ourselves, the sooner we'll stop hearing that voice that says, Michael doesn't like you, Pastor Rob." Now, I don't believe that, Michael, all right? And if you believe that, you got the problem because I'm wonderful. (laughs) Perceived rejection is common to all of us, but the root of perceived rejection is self-rejection. And the sooner we come to learn to love ourselves, the sooner the voice of that demon that speaks rejection to you and convinces you that everybody else doesn't accept you, the sooner you shut his mouth and shut the door on his face. And so it's so important that we love ourselves. To not love ourselves, I'm going to say it again, we're out of agreement with God. When you don't like who you are, you're out of agreement with God because God loves who you are. When you don't love yourself, when you reject yourself, it is a a double curse you bring on yourself. You gave yourself offense, and you've taken the offense. Now listen to this. This is powerful. When you don't love yourself, you have both given the spirit of offense to yourself and taken the spirit of offense to yourself. In doing so, you have set yourself up to be the perfect Victim. How we feel about ourselves will set us up. When we reject ourselves, we set ourselves up to be a victim. When you don't give yourself self-love... You will search for it in self pity. When you don't give yourself self love, you will search for it. That is love in self pity. The spirit of self rejection will bring you to the spirit of self pity. And self pity becomes our counterfeit comforter and becomes the one we need. It becomes like an addiction. When we don't love ourselves, we look to a comforter, and that comforter is self-pity. And we try to get people's affection because we're failed, because we're broken, because we're not complete. And so we try to get empathy from them. It's called self-pity. We feel sorry for ourselves because we don't love ourselves, and we expect, and we try to solicit love from others so that they feel sorry for us on the basis of feeling sorry for us. But the spirit of self-rejection will bring the spirit of self-pity and the spirit of self-pity is a counterfeit comforter. God has ordained that the Holy Spirit would be our comforter. I thank God that the Holy Spirit comforts me often. And in this process of learning to love myself, the Holy Spirit spoke to me over and over and over again, and he would bring comfort to me. But before I got to that place, God very clearly told me that I had to hate self-pity. You see, when I was born, I was born very sickly as a child. From the day I was born, I was allergic to water. My parents would tell me over and over again how as an infant they couldn't just bathe me. Not even in baby soap or even just plain water. My whole body would react to the touch of water. And so they had to swap me down with baby oil. Nowadays I think about that and I think he anointed me from my infancy. I was allergic to mother's milk. My mother's milk, I was allergic to formula. Everything would irritate me on the outside and on the inside. And as I grew up, my oldest brother was the intelligent one. My second oldest brother was the cute one. And I was the sick one. And the attention I got was always around the fact that I was sick. And so I quickly developed a relationship with self-pity. I didn't love myself, and self-pity was my comfort. He was my comforter, where the Holy Spirit was meant to be my comforter. And I was listening to the wrong voice. And, you know, uh, so I had a number of ailments or sicknesses, serious sicknesses. And around the age of uh, 14, very clearly, I had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and God started to set me free from the spirit of fear and a couple of other things. And very clearly one day God said to me, if I'm gonna heal you, you have to learn to hate self-pity because self-pity will always make you the victim. Self-pity will bring one disaster after another your way. Self-pity will call to trauma so that you remain a victim. Self-pity is an agreement with disaster. It gives the enemy an open door to our mind, to our emotions, and to our circumstances. And so it is so important to come to a place where we learn to love ourselves the way God loves us because until we do, we are an open portal for the demons of hell to terrorize us, to harass us, and to victimize us. They have full legal agreement because we've already rejected us. We've given offense to ourselves and we've received the offense and we are in agreement with the voices and the spirits of darkness. You have to understand that the moment we're in disagreement with God, we're in agreement with darkness. So I'm going to read it again. The spirit of self-rejection will bring the spirit of self-pity. And self-pity becomes our counterfeit comforter. And we develop a need to have it around. For some, alcohol is the comforter. For some, exaggeration is the comforter. It helps us to accept ourselves. We exaggerate ourselves, not because we have grandiose ideas of ourselves, but because there's inferiority, insignificance. And so we try to make ourselves bigger in the stories we tell than what we believe we are in our own eyes. It becomes a dependency like a dependency on a drug. And because we become dependent on self-pity, we have tied that spirit to our lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have come into an agreement with a bondage. The dependency on self-pity gives that demon the right, the legal stance to hold on to us. We've developed a need for that spirit because that's the only way we can, in our eyes, get validation from anyone else when they're feeling sorry for us. We feel sorry for us and that's how we, we, we come to love ourselves by feeling sorry for ourselves. And what we don't realize is we transmit that in relationship and we're always speaking a language of self-pity. Others will hear it, they'll notice it, but usually we don't see that our language is a language of self-pity. And that becomes our comfort, we need it, just like a person needs another drink or another fix. But that need is what keeps us in bondage to being a victim in life. I've decided, I don't have time to be a victim. I've been called to be a son of God, hallelujah. I've been called to be the head, not the tail. I'm not the victim, I am the victorious through Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Don't feel sorry for me because I don't feel sorry for me. Whether I'm too short or too wide or too funny in how I act, it doesn't matter. I am the best me that there has ever been on planet earth. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. In Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 it says, Guard your heart, the Hebrew word for heart is lebi, lebi, And it says guard your heart, the heart, both in the Hebrew in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the word is kardia, and what it refers to in in all of these texts is the realm of your thought life and the realm of of your emotional life, your mind of reason, the mind of logic, the mind of your memories, the mind of your thought life, and the mind of your emotions. And if you don't think you have two separate minds, just think about any time you've been fearful, extremely fearful, but there was no logic to what you were fearful about. There's the mind of reason, And then there's the mind of the emotions. And when the two of them come into agreement, they trigger your will. The mind, the emotions, and the will. And in Proverbs, the Bible says, guard your heart. Guard what gets laid down as a memory in your mind. Guard the belief systems, the judgments, the determinations you make in your mind, especially in moments of trauma. In moments of trauma, we come to conclusions and usually those conclusions are scarred. Usually those conclusions about life and about people are negative because they just came out of the venom of the wound that we sustained. And we build these conclusions in our mind and they become a part of our belief system. And the Bible says that demons live in our belief systems. That's why Paul says, take every thought captive and make it come into agreement with the thoughts of God, you pull down strongholds by pulling down the thought barriers and the wrong belief systems that were part of the tree of the knowledge of evil. When we take those things captive and bring our thoughts into agreement with God's mind, you can't have anything but the tree of life. Amen. So Proverbs says, guard your heart. When you go through a trauma, when you go through a a crisis, be careful how you summarize it. Be careful what voices and what conclusions are made in your mind, because the emotion will be tied to the summary of the thought of that moment, and when emotion and thought are tied together, they imprint inside of us. And it's very lasting. Proverbs says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it will come the issues of life. You know what that means? Be careful what you allow into your belief system. Be careful of the things you entertain the memories, how they get recorded in your mind, and be careful of the emotions that you associate with those thoughts because out of what you've come to believe mentally and emotionally, that will produce the issues you face in life. Wow. The moment my thought life and my emotional life is in disagreement with God, I've given the enemy the right to bring circumstances into my day-to-day living that line up with my strongholds and my thought barriers. Guard your heart, for out of it will come the issues of life. And so the enemy will inflict a wound in us and cause us to go through trauma even in the early stages of life so that that thing is perpetuated again and again and again, and the stronghold is reinforced again and again and again. This is a principle of life. Whether you want to believe it or not, it's happening. Whether you want to believe in gravity or not, it's happening. Whether you want to believe in the laws of nature, they're happening. And you can choose not to believe these principles. It doesn't change the fact that they are principles, and that's what governs life. Are you with me? The issues we face in life are the direct result of what we allow into our thoughts and our emotions in the first place. So we're going to put a a new screen up. When you have made yourself a victim, the enemy will come into agreement with you, and you've given him permission to victimize you and keep you the victim. You ever wonder why you go through the same things over and over again? How many of you have ever been through the same kind of trauma over and over again? It's spiritual. It's spiritual. And God wants to break the cycle. It's for freedom that Jesus Christ has set you free. Freedom is such a grandiose thing in God's economy. He created mankind to live in the freedom of his love not in the shadows of agony. It is for freedom that Jesus Christ has come to set you free. And the enemy wants to keep you in bondage, but the Son of God has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, hallelujah. Good stuff. That's what you call, I'll raise a hallelujah. <laughs> you can do that all day. <laughs> when you've made yourself a victim, the enemy will come into agreement with you. When you don't love yourself, you've made yourself a victim. And the enemy will come into agreement with you, and you've given him permission to victimize you and keep you the victim. Now, I'm going I'm to read to you uh, a couple of things that I found on the Internet. I want you to understand something. I have half a dozen books on psychology. I have never read them. It's the truth. I took some down from my office the other day, and Pastor Tom saw one of them written by a Christian uh, psychologist. He picked it up. He started reading it. He liked it so much he bought a copy of it. I didn't have the the nerve to tell him, I'm glad you like it. I've never read it. (laughs) I've never read them. And everything that I teach and I preach on these things are things that the Holy Spirit taught me as he set me free from rejection, fear, and inferiority. And most of the things that I preach, I preach because the Holy Spirit downloaded stuff. I'm about to read you some pieces of statistics that I took off the internet Not because I've known this stuff or I studied it, I deliberately researched this subject matter, uh, looking for statistics to line up that would line up with the word of God. Clinical psychologist Robin F. Goodman writes on the New York University Child Study Center website, this is what she writes, a girl's self-esteem peaks when she's nine years old then takes a nosedive. That's horrendous. Did you hear that? A young female's self-image, her, her um, self-esteem peaks when she's nine, and it's downhill thereafter. 75% of eight- and nine-year-old girls say they like their looks. 75% of eight- and nine-year-old girls say they like their looks, By the time they reach the age of 12 and 13, just a few years later, the figures show that that percentage drops to 56%. 80% of eighth grade girls say they're on diets. 80% of eighth grade girls say they are on diets. What in the world have we done to our fellow human beings? What kind of a nursery are we raising our children up in? We've created a society that's become so shallow and it becomes so self-condemning. How dare we allow a society to exist where little girls after the age of nine, their self-value, their self-esteem takes a nosedive and never recovers. These are the bruises that come from the demonic world. The world is broken because of sin, but God desires that the world comes into restoration through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The the gospel writer John writes in one of his letters, for this purpose was the Son of God made manifest on earth to destroy the works of the evil one. This sermon is to destroy the lies that have kept you in bondage. This sermon is designed to heal the wounds in your emotions. This sermon is created to shut the mouth of that devil that rejects you inside your own head. Seven million girls and women have eating disorders compared with One million boys and men. 10% report that it all started at the age of 10 or younger. And 33% say it started at the age of 11 to 15. You see, most women will look in the mirror and be absolutely disgusted. But most men look in the mirror and say, I'm a stud. Even if they really look like a a spud. It, it, it's quite hilarious how a guy can be morbidly overweight and look in the mirror without his shirt on and say, some girl's gonna be really lucky. And most women will look in the mirror. And never see beauty. They only see ashes. They only see what's wrong. Three-fourths of girls, three-quarter of all girls with low esteem, engage in negative activities such as eating disorders, bullying, smoking, and drinking three quarters of all young girls who have negative self-esteem, they don't love themselves, will end up engaging in negative activities such as eating disorders, bullying, smoking, or drinking. Listen to this next one. According to an article entitled "Self-esteem and Sex: How Boys Differ, How Boys and Girls Differ." put out by the University of Indiana, released on the 30th of April, 2002. This is what they say. 40% of the girls with low self-esteem in 7th grade had sex by ninth grade compared to only 18% of the girls with high self-esteem. 40% of the girls with low self-esteem in 7th grade had sex by the ninth grade compared to only 18% of the girls who had high self-esteem. And when I read that last week, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said to say this, so I'm going to say it. This is not a place of judgment. This is not a place of condemnation. This is a place of cleaning out the wound so that you could be free. So I'm going to say it. The sex that you surrendered to be accepted has become the sex that has given you the most rejection. The sex that you surrendered to be accepted is the sex that has caused you the most rejection. And God is not here to condemn you, and nor am I. And I'm speaking of men and women. We're victims of a broken world. But by being broken on the inside, we keep ourselves victim. We keep ourselves victims. And that spirit keeps speaking to us again and again. It may have started on the outside from somebody else. Or it may have started from the voice deep down inside of you. But God didn't create you to be a victim. God created you to be a son or daughter of heaven. He didn't call you to be A victim of destruction, he called you to become a child of destiny. And I want you to know that the Spirit of God wants to heal you and set you free. Whether the curse came from the outside or the curse came from the inside, it's still a curse. And with every curse comes a spirit that will torment you and harass you. Jesus Christ has come to set the captives free. Can I get an amen? Amen. Absolutely. There's a study that Hewlett-Packard did, and it really illustrates the difference between a man and a woman. Men tend to have a higher level of of confidence, self-esteem, self-love than women. I blame a lot of that on the fact that a lot of, Women are molested and mistreated sexually. I also put it a lot on the fact that how we have created a culture and a society that validates us on our abilities or our appearances. But Hewlett Packard did a study, an internal report found that men apply for a job of promotion when they meet only 60% of the qualifications But women apply only if they meet 100% of them. Women feel confident only when they are perfect or practically perfect. This issue of self-love is an important issue. It's equally as important to men as it is to women, even though many of the statistics I've given refer to women. But the issue of not loving yourself is a major issue. And whether or not you love yourself will determine whether or not you, uh, you go through life from one crisis to another or from one victory to another. I'm going to close, but I'm going to tie this very important piece of information. I have searched the internet for studies that would bring some kind of correlation between what I'm about to tell you. But whether you love yourself, how you love yourself, if you don't love yourself, it will not only affect your circumstantial life, it'll affect your personal health. I searched the internet to see if any medical institutions or uh, departments of psychology had ever done a correlation between autoimmune diseases and the lack of self-love. You see, an autoimmune disease of which there are hundreds, and they are quickly becoming one of the most pervasive health risk categories in the United States of America, autoimmune diseases. But I believe that there is a correlation between autoimmune disease and not loving yourself, because that's one of the things God brought to my attention in my journey of being healed and delivered and set free. You see, the auto, an autoimmune disease is the body attacking itself. That is a physical parallel to the emotional self-rejection. When you reject yourself, you are deeming yourself not worth it, unlovable, and uh, you are robbing yourself of any sense of validation. You are attacking your own personhood. And an autoimmune disease is exactly the same thing, but biologically. What you feel emotionally and what you believe mentally is manifesting in your body physically. You are a spirit first, then you are a soul. Your soul is the culmination of all of your thought life, be it memories, Pictures from the past or belief systems you've come to believe about people, about men, about women, about life, and your soul is a combination of what you emotionally have attached to those belief systems. The reason why faith is a powerful thing is because faith captures a belief system and says this will happen, and real faith gets excited about it, and the mind of the reason of reason and the mind of the the emotion come together and it releases the power of God to perform a miracle in the same way you know Jesus said what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth what you believe in the mind of reason the mind of logic what you believe in the mind of your emotions and you confess with your mouth it will come to pass But the devil understands the principles of aerodynamics. He understands the principles of gravity. And I assure you, he understands the principles of the spirit realm. And so, what the enemy will do is that he will use these same principles against us. How many of you are getting what I'm saying? Thank you. And so, the enemy will get you to not love yourself and think you're not worth it, and you are attacking yourself mentally, and your emotions will come into agreement, and emotionally you'll never be happy with yourself. You'll always feel yuck about yourself. This is one of the core foundations to depression, They call it clinical depression, I'm gonna call it mental, emotional depression, and it has a spiritual invitation to the powers of darkness. But when you mentally don't love yourself and accept yourself and you're not proud of yourself and emotionally the feelings convey the same, what happens is your soul then speaks to your body and your body will erupt in autoimmune diseases where it starts to attack itself. I just showed you statistics how drastically women don't love themselves. I'm gonna show you something that'll boggle your mind. Um, In autoimmune diseases, men versus women, autoimmune diseases affect approximately eight percent of the population, and out of that eight percent, 78 percent of them are women. Can I have that first slide? So out of 100 Americans, eight will have an autoimmune disease. And out of that eight, three out of every four will be a woman. 78%. Don't tell me there is no correlation between women struggling with loving themselves and accepting themselves and women having the highest percentage of autoimmune diseases. There is a direct correlation. And I want to tell you that God wants to heal you physically, but before he can heal you physically, uh, he wants to heal you emotionally. And I- in your soul, he wants to make you whole. I told you that I was sick from birth, and I've had, i, I last count, I think it was four or five incurable diseases that I've experienced throughout my 60 years. And each time the doctors have said uh, this is an incurable disease, you'll be on medication for the rest of your life and uh, it'll never go away. But because God healed my soul, healing flows through my body. And I don't have any of those incurable diseases. I've been healed of every single one of them. And what's amazing is No doctor ever told me this, but, you know, 40 years later, 50 years later, I start looking down or out over my past, and every one of the major diseases I've ever been diagnosed with and suffered from the symptoms of, every one of them were an autoimmune disease. Guard your heart, because out of it will come the issues of life. We have another screen. Uh, It's not as clear on here. The notes will come to you on Monday. I do have copies of notes, but if we could go to the next screen. Uh, And uh, it lists a number of autoimmune diseases of which I have trouble pronouncing some of them. Hashimoto's disease. Some of you who have been part of this church for a while have heard me talk about how at one time I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease the ratio of for every one man who has hashimoto's disease 50 women have hashimoto's disease systemic lupus for every one man there are nine women sjögren syndrome for every one man there are nine women and there's a whole list of them do we have it and you might have trouble reading it i have trouble Pronouncing some of the words: uh, primary biliary cirrhosis, nine to one, women to men; mixed connective tissue disease, eight to one; chronic active hepatitis, eight to one; Graves' disease, seven to one; rheumatoid arthritis, four to one; scleroderma, uh, three to one, uh, and, and and on and on it goes. Church, I want to tell you that God wants to heal his church of rejection and some of the rejection we are reeling from is self-rejection. Maybe others have rejected you. You've taken the offense, but you've received it. And now you reject yourself. I want to tell you there's no greater love than the fact that God loves you. I don't care who has said what and who has done what, the trauma you have experienced doesn't define who you are as a person. What defines you is that your daddy in heaven loves you unequivocally and without reservation. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. us. Amen. I close with... uh, Proverbs 14, verse 30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. You know what envy is? According to the Hebrew, if we look at this text in the Hebrew language, the word Hebrew is the word kinah, and it means envy, rivalry, or jealousy. When you don't love yourself, you will deem that everybody else is better than you, and that's rivalry. And whether you feel the emotion of jealousy or not, whether you consciously feel the emotion of envy or not, when you don't love yourself, you will always see other people as being more blessed, more fortunate than you. And you will always be behind the eight ball. And the Bible says that whenever that mindset is in us, it's like rot to the bones. And the Hebrew word for bones isn't just your physical bones, but it speaks of your personhood. So the Bible says that a heart that's at peace gives life to the body. But envy, seeing others in a better position than yourself, being able to love and accept others and not accept yourself, that puts you in a place of rivalry and it will bring rot to your body. Proverbs 16:24 says pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I want you to know God loves you. And God wants you to love you. Sometimes we hide behind the fact that we we can love others well. The truth of the matter is, unless we love ourselves, we never love others well. We might serve other people more than we serve ourselves. We go out of our way to meet their needs. We say life is made up of givers and takers. And the givers are usually people who have very little love for themselves and they love everyone else well. The truth of the matter is that in reality, subconsciously, as we're trying to love everyone else well, we're trying to get the validation back from them so that we can find a reason to love ourselves. And that's not perfect love. That's love with a motive. The only way you can love someone else perfectly is by coming to a place where you can perfectly love yourself. And the only way you'll come to that place is when you realize God perfectly loves you. You could be with your face down in the gutter tomorrow. He still loves you. God will love you. God will always love you unconditionally. Can I get an amen? Could we stand? I've been praying all through this series. In fact, when God first put this series on my heart, before I even started preaching it, I started to pray, God, I want you to not just speak to people in the middle of the sermon, but talk to them all week long and bring things back to their remembrance that need to come to their remembrance Let them see the pictures of where the offense first took place so that they can be healed. And I've been absolutely thrilled and blessed at hearing how many folk have come and said, you know, on Thursday I was doing this, this, and this, and a memory came up to me, and I remembered something that was said over my life. And uh, as they had an emotional moment with the Holy Spirit, God started to heal them. And they got delivered. As I even say that, how many of you here during this series have had a similar encounter? Can I see your hand? Look. You see, words are only words, but when they're anointed by the Holy Ghost, they're not just words. They're God's invading, healing power. Amen. I am... I'm going to share something really personal and with some of the stories I told last week I don't want you to think that I had horrible parents I had wonderful parents I mentioned last week some stories about me and my dad and how God healed a relationship that I thought was good let me share my journey So that in your journey, you don't feel like you're so unique and one of a kind when it comes to the negative. Most of us are like the rest of us, and we all hurt. Yesterday, when we were having our prayer meeting, people come and pray, and I was asking them to pray for today's service. I said, let's pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to bring things to people's remembrance, the moment of hurt, the moment of injury, so that layers of healing will take place. I've been healed of things, and then years later, God shows me there's a deeper layer, and He heals the deeper layer as well. That doesn't deny the fact that I had had a healing. It's just going deeper and deeper. And so... We all started to pray that everyone in the church, whether they're here or watching through live stream, or we even prayed, even if they watched us in three years' time, let the anointing of your spirit heal them. And we started praying that God would bring the necessary things to your remembrance. And as we started praying, I'm agreeing with this one and that one, and agreeing with that one, and saying amen as each one prays. And suddenly at a left field... God took two pieces of information that I've always known separately that were in my conscious mind, but never connected them. And that was this. I grew up, my dad only spoke Italian. He didn't speak English. I had to learn Italian to talk to my dad when, I moved, when we moved to Australia. Uh, and I love my dad. I wish he were here right now. Every time I think of him, I see that picture I told you about last week. Of my father hugging me and crying and telling me how much he loves me. It's changed my relationship with God drastically, dramatically. But my dad used to call us in Italian, a cidrula. You know you know Italian, so you know what that is. Have you ever been called a cidrula? It's a cucumber. You know, in English, we'll call a kid, you little peanut, Right? And sometimes it's a term of endearment. Sometimes it's a term of frustration or anger. You peanut. Well, I was a shidrul sometimes as a term of endearment and sometimes as a term of frustration. We're all parents, so let's not pick up stones. And, you know, my dad was a good man. I love him. He was an exceptional pastor. He loved the church greatly, deeply, and I hope I follow in his footsteps. But while we were praying yesterday, and we're praying for you, the Holy Spirit boomeranged back on me, and he brings these two pieces of information. One that Dad would sometimes, in a loving reference and sometimes in frustration, call me a shidrul, a cucumber. But he brought this other piece of information and both of them have existed in my conscious mind and they've never come together till that moment in prayer yesterday. My father absolutely hated. To say hate, he detested cucumbers. The very smell of a cucumber would set him off. He just, now I can't can't fathom that. Give me a a, a cucumber, give me some salt, and uh, I have a refreshing snack, you know. Very few calories, by the way. (laughs) But my dad absolutely hated cucumbers. And yesterday, while we're in prayer for you, the Holy Spirit brings these two pictures together. And subconsciously, things like that just reinstate the reason why we can't love ourselves he called me something he hated now if he were here alive today i i would i could absolutely guarantee you my dad would say to me if i if i brought those two pieces of information together he'd say rob i never hated you i love you i have that image burned in my mind from when god allowed me to go through that healing experience but it doesn't change the fact that words have power and god brought that to my mer- Remembrance and tied them together. And it's things like that, things we would never suspect, and they start to affect our validation and our love for self. I love you. I spend time in prayer for people I don't even know. There are new people here today. I prayed for you. I can love others because of how completely God loves me. And I can give you all the reasons why Rob Skrullo shouldn't be loved. And if I was really bold, I could tell you all the stupid and some of the really bad things I've done. But I thank God they are buried under the deepest sea. And I don't have to tell you. Hallelujah. And when the devil tries to tell me and remind me, I tell him to shut up. Get out of my face because I'm in the face of my father. Hallelujah. Amen. But God wants you to know he loves you, and he wants to take you to a place where you can more completely, more than ever, love yourself. Because loving yourself is one of the three essential loves. Without it, without any one of them, it will cripple you for life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy But Jesus Christ has come to set us free and to give us life more abundantly. Can I get an amen? Amen. I know I went a little longer this morning, but I was preaching on probably one of the most important topics, you, and loving you. So I'm sure you'll forgive me that we went a little long. With every eye closed right now, The Bible says God so loved you, so passionately loved you that he was willing to put himself on a cross so that you could have life. He took the bullet that was meant for us. And the Bible also says that anyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, God gives that person the right to be a child of God. Hallelujah. It's not what you do. He loved you before you did a thing. But when you accept his love, you allow yourself to live. You allow yourself to live. If you're here this morning or watching via live stream, if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, he wants to come in and take all the baggage He wants to come in and love you just how you are. While every eye is closed, if the Spirit of God is talking to you right now, would you raise your hand and say, yes, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. Every eye closed, just raise your hand and say, yes, I receive. I want Jesus. I want to accept him. Thank you. I see those hands. Three hands up the back. God bless you. I see another hand over here. Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Another hand even up the front. God bless you. Awesome. It's about four or five folk. That's wonderful. But what's wonderful is God loves you. That's what's wonderful. We're not into statistics. We're into people. God loves you. I'm going to ask you, together with everyone in this auditorium to pray a prayer of accepting God's love. And I'm gonna ask everyone, just repeat after me out loud. But those of you that raise your hand as you pray this prayer, God saw your heart. God was the one who was pulling on your heart. You felt something stirring inside of you. That's the Spirit of God. He loves you. You're not gonna wait till you clean yourself up. He loves you as you are and he will always love you, praise God. So everyone repeat after me, dear God, I believe you love me. I don't always know why, but I believe it, I sense it. I believe you died on the cross for me. I needed your help, Jesus Christ, I receive you in my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Jesus Christ, come into my life. Forgive me of all of my mistakes. And live with me. Lead me and guide me. Now, Father, I thank you. Come on, say it. Father, I thank you that you have accepted me all this time, even though I only just accepted you. But I accept you and welcome your spirit in my life. Amen. Now, Father, I pray for everyone who's raised their hand. But even now, supernaturally, Holy Spirit, that you will touch them, you will quicken them and cause their spirit to come alive and cause chains to be broken in Jesus' name. I thank you, Jesus, you come to love us, to heal us, to save us, and to set us free. And in the name of Jesus, I break the yoke of darkness off of each and every person who accepted Christ today, devil, you have no legal right over them by the blood of Jesus that forgives them, by the blood of Jesus that was shed deliberately so that this day could happen. By that blood, I declare to the powers of darkness, they no longer are yours to torment. In Jesus' name, we call them sons of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The altar is going to be open. I've asked all the pastors, Pastor Amy, if you can, Pastor Steve, if you can, Pastor Jan, Pastor Carlos, they're going to put some recorded music on. And those of you who need to leave, by all means. But those of you who feel like you need some ministry, come on down the front. Try to stay six feet apart and If there are that many people, we'll just go in shifts. And the pastors are going to minister to you. If my pastors could start coming right now, would you come? Amen. To the rest of you, as you go, I bless you with the blessing of the Lord. May the blessings of God go with you. And may the work of the Holy Spirit continue to work in your heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Don't hesitate. Come on out the front. Pastor Tom. Yep. Pastor Jan. Amen. They're here to pray with you. Just make your way out the front. God bless you, church.